Choosing to homeschool is tough. And I was questioning everything. I was, you know, I needed it explained to me. Often, I think if you can explain why you're doing something, it can help a child understand why they're expected to do it. Because I don't want to do anything extra work that isn't going to actually help me. Once you're taught in this different way, and you can, you understand where your, your weaknesses lie, then it's, you start to re-believe in yourself again. I'm Nicole Holcomb, attorney by day and podcaster by night, a former educator, school counselor, and administrator, and mom to a nine-year-old daughter with dyslexia, who loves all things Harry Potter, Minecraft, and science. A few years ago, she was identified with dyslexia, and our life seemed to turn upside down for a while, quite literally. I created the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast to help you navigate the upside-down journey of dyslexia. You got this. If you're wanting to thrive as a mom in this dyslexia journey, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. You are listening to episode 21 of the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast. Today, I'm honored to have Mike Jones on the show. Before we get started, though, I have a question for you. Have you seen the short film Michael yet? And that's M-I-C-A-L. If not, I recommend that you watch it and then listen to this episode again It's less than 20 minutes long, and you can find it on YouTube, you can find it on the Nessie website, and there's some other sites as well that I will link to. Michael is about a seven-year-old boy who is struggling to make sense of why he can't learn to read. He has very high levels of frustration. He is um, moved from school to school, and eventually Mike is diagnosed with dyslexia. But yet the teachers still struggle to figure out ways to help him learn. And his mother decides that she is going to take matters into her own hands. She's going to learn everything that she can learn about dyslexia. And she herself decides that she will homeschool him and teach him. She taught Mike how to read. How to read by using games and repetition. Things that she created herself. Today, you're going to hear Mike's story directly from Mike and how his mom made a difference in his life. My hope is that his mom's journey is an inspiration to every mom who is listening right now. I want you to go watch the movie, though, also, because you're going to learn so much more about Pat and her journey as a mom. Today, though, Mike is going to share his journey, how his mom's inspiration impacted him as an adult, So sit back and enjoy the conversation that I have today with Mike. I do want to say a special thanks to Mike Jones for being on the show. And I do appreciate uh, everything that he's going to share with you today because you are going to walk away with uh, a different understanding and appreciation, I would bet, about dyslexia and hearing directly from someone who has gone through that journey and shared that journey with you. I think you're going to find this to be an incredible conversation. All right. Today on the show, I am delighted and honored to have Mike Jones with us today. And I have already shared a good bit about you in the intro, Mike. And so we're just going to jump right in today. Thank you again so much for being with us today. Well, thanks for inviting me. It's very nice to meet you. It's very nice to meet you. Do you mind sharing a little bit about your background? You know, it is uh, Dyslexia Awareness Month and I'm so excited and delighted to have some very special guests this month and for you to be one of my first. And so I I appreciate that. But for those that don't know you yet, I'd love for them to hear a little bit about you. 
well, I have dyslexia. And it took me many years to admit that really and not feel ashamed of my dyslexia. Now, when I was at school, I just couldn't learn anything. I, I couldn't spell my own name. I, I couldn't read anything. Uh, any, any spellings I was giving, given, I just got them all wrong. Even though I was copying from my friend, I couldn't even copy them right. And then we'd have to read out the scores and I always got zero and everyone would laugh at me. It was very humiliating and I hated school. And I was very lucky that uh, my mom, she learned how to help me and she homeschooled me and that completely turned my life around and and now i uh, run an edtech company that produces um, resources for people with dyslexia uh, i'm a director of the british dyslexia association which i run uh, with with my mom although she's retired now mm -hmm. and um, i am the ceo and founder of nessie learning and I've authored lots of different programs. So one, there was a study skills program. There's the biggest one is Nessie Reading and Spelling, which is for uh, younger children. Um, I've authored, authored about seven or eight programs. Wonderful. Yeah, and I'm very familiar with Nessie. It's a, a amazing uh, resources on there. And I've also noticed for Dyslexia Awareness Month, you're actually pushing out some things for families as well, as far as you know, some free offers for your apps and things like that. So I appreciate that as well. That's, that's very helpful. Um, I know though your background also is you went a little different direction when you first start off, I believe, um, as far as your education after high school. So what brought you back to, you know, the world of dyslexia? I believe you went to law school. Is that right? Yes, that is right. Um, well, when I was, um, I was, after I was home tutored by my mom in a way that I could learn, it just completely transformed my life. And I was, I was able to read and I was able to write. Okay, so I was much slower than other people. I had to reread stuff lots of times to, to, to get it in. I had trouble writing down all my thoughts in a sequence. There were all those sort of issues. But once I'd got past that hump, if you like, and, and I'd, I'd learned that I could learn, then when I went back into school, I went from being the very bottom of the class to the top. And um, I didn't really look back. However, um, lots of teachers in that school still thought of me as um, not capable. Uh, so for instance, my, my principal, as I was leaving high school said, well, what are you going to do now? And I said, well, I'm going to art college, but I had also considered law. And he said, oh, good job, you didn't go for law. I mean, you're just not smart enough to do that. And that kind of stuck with me. And um, I, was, I was at art college and I was getting on okay, but I was thinking, it just stuck with me. I'm not smart enough to do law, hey? So I transferred and um, I transferred to a law, a law college and after three years, um, and it was tough. I mean, the books were enormously thick a little tiny print and I'd start reading it and I, I'd get a third of the way down and I'd just completely forgotten what I've just read. And there were lots of embarrassing things like um, in the law library, the, the, the teacher said, oh, well, uh, I want you to go and look up this case. It's, uh, I don't know, King versus someone or other. 
it's three aisles down, six shelves up, and then uh, see if you can find it in chapter 10. And I, <laughs> oh, a whole list of sequence of instructions like that. I knew I wasn't going to remember them. So I just tried to remember the first thing. And I said it over and over in my head uh, and tried to blank out the rest of it. All the other students just go running off to look for it. And there's me just having to ask again and again continuously. And it made me look feel stupid. And I'm sure that made them think I was stupid as well. Um, so there were lots of things. It was tough, but I did, I did well because I was quite good at analyzing and arguing. And so, um, yeah, I, at the end of it, they asked me to stay on and lecture. Um, but it didn't. I, I instead went to work for a voluntary organization, giving free legal advice to people that were in trouble. And, uh, my, my mom had, in the meantime, set up Bristol Dyslexia Centre. And uh, I was supposed to go on to train in London to be a, uh, what's called a barrister, like an attorney that stands up in the court. And I went back to help answer the telephone over the summer. And I was listening to parents tell me, and they were, they were at their wits end, they didn't know what to do, they were in tears. And it brought it all back to me. And um, I realized that I didn't want to do law. I wanted to help children that had been through what I went through. So I retrained as a dyslexia specialist teacher. And then I started working at that dyslexia center and I, I worked there for 10 years uh, before founding Nessie. Um, but the things that Pat had done with that center were amazing. And lots of the strategies, the ideas that she'd come up with, card games, and I thought, well, this is crazy. It's only a few hundred kids in the local city are, are benefiting from this, but it could be online and it, people around the world could get it. So that's, that's why I started, um, started it in my classroom, actually, on a Friday afternoon, and it just grew organically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and too, I have many parents, and especially I work directly with moms, lots of them contact me about what can I do and I'm so thankful that that you and your mom both agree to do the Michael film because I feel like it really gives people an opportunity to see things that they may be experiencing but not comfortable to share. Does that make sense? And oh, so yes, yeah. It. I know that was. I've watched some of your other interviews, and I know it was. You know, pieces of that were difficult to maybe talk about publicly. But thank you for doing that. And so it was really an inspiration to me as I work with moms because there's just so much to the journey and you want to get it right. You want you want to help your child. And, and my daughter's nine. She's in fourth grade. And we found out in first grade that she was identified. And we were uh, lucky enough where we live, we were able to get her in a private school where all the children are dyslexic and all the teachers are trained OG so we're very blessed that way that we were able to identify early. But, you know, for those that are just still trying to figure this out, can you give some examples? I mean, I know that your mom decided to, there were several schools that just weren't working. So she decided, I'm going to do this. I'm going to help Michael do this. Can you give some examples maybe of, you know, how your mom went about doing that? I don't know if you remember all those pieces since it's been a little while, but what are some things now that kind of stick out to you that you feel like really helped? you know, helped you become who you are now as far as some of the pieces she had in place, really just to reassure moms that it's just day by day, right? Day by day. Yeah. 
Well, <laughs> choosing to homeschool is is tough. It's not easy. We, we had lots of arguments. I remember that. Um, <laughs> she had, and I was questioning everything. I was going, well, why, why is it like that? You know, I needed it explained to me. Uh, and often, I think if you can explain why you're doing something, it can help um, a child understand why they, they're expecting to do it. Because I don't want to do anything extra work that isn't <laughs> going to actually help me. Exactly. I mean, I, yeah. So um, I think the, the first thing that's important to do is to find out as much as you can about dyslexia and then to explain that to your child. Because once you have an understanding of why it's been so tough, and not that it's going to be easy now from now on, but right. <laughs> there, is a, there is a solution. And um, once you're taught in this different way and you can you understand where your, your weaknesses lie, but you can compensate and, um, so with strategies, then it's, you start to re-believe in yourself again. And she always taught me through games. And that was, that was really good because I didn't want it to be like school. <laughs> school was a, a, such a terrible place for me. It was, I, I became a school phobic really. I, I, for years, I couldn't even go back into schools or go anywhere near them. I just felt a cold shiver of dread. But um, once, you, if you're taught through games, then it's fun. The learning becomes engaging. And as long as it remains structured and systematic in small steps, then um, it works. Mm -hmm. So yeah, find out about dyslexia. Um, use games, uh, join a community. That's, that's really important because it can be very lonely. Um, there are some great strategies that my mum came up with, but sometimes it's best for the child to come up with their own strategy. So um, if you, I don't know if you know about mnemonic rhymes for helping spelling. So mm -hmm. for instance, was doesn't, it spells like it should be spelt W-O-Z. And, um, but it's spelled W-A-S, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so uh, we had a, a mnemonic, was a sausage. And uh, actually when I was teaching, there was one of my students came up with that. And I, I drew a picture of a sausage that had been eaten, bitten in half. And as long as it's funny and you do a picture, you link it to a picture, the little strategies like that can really help it stick in your mind. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, she came up with lots of things which are in Nessie now. Um, silly bull, the syllables. Uh, silly bull would beat the ground with his hoof uh, to make the beat of a word. And instead of um, a, a prefix, uh, the, the root and the suffix of a word, it was, because you can't imagine those in your head, she came up with head, body and tail. And suddenly you can picture those. And when you can picture them in your head, then they stick and they start to make sense. Oh, and so you can have a body with different heads and different tails all swapped out and it makes it fun. Yeah, absolutely. She was, she was very inventive as a teacher. Yeah, that's amazing. It, and it does. It seems like if you have pictures, it does help so much because your brain can remember those pieces when they can when they can see it. Right. When you can see it in your mind, the word. But for some of those words, like you said, even with was, there's really not a picture, but you were able to create a picture to help kids. And so that's that's such a key there as well. 
So circling back to the Michael film, what are some things that you hope people learn from the film? Well, we wanted to show people what, how education systems um, can harm children really by ignoring, teaching them in a different way, in the way they learn. Now, it's up to 20, well, 15 to 23% or something like that. There's different uh, research, but if we take the Sally Shaywitz, uh, Shaywitz research, that's 20% of children. That's a lot of kids in the, in the school, but teachers are not being trained about dyslexia, which is crazy. Now, I want, that's the same story that happened to me is happening to children everywhere now. And since we've made the film, people have been flooding in with stories about how their children are being made, being humiliated at school um, because the teachers don't understand how to help them. So they're being, for instance, ice cream parties or something like that. These kids never get an ice cream. They never, they only get, if they're lucky, they get a banana or something. I mean, it, it's, it's just, humiliating for them or, or putting up on the wall how many words uh, a kid has learned and, and the teacher thinks well that's going to motivate them well it may be motivating some of them but those kids that can't learn are just going to be humiliated and shamed by it every day they walk into the class they see that they're the lowest and they're never going to get off that low area because they're not being taught in the way they learn so what we hope to, to cope by that um, do with the film we wanted to show parents they're not alone, that this story is happening again and again, but there is a solution. There is hope. You can learn when you have dyslexia if you're taught in the right way. And this solution has been around for hundreds of years. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, the Alton Gillingham methodology uh, has so much research behind it, and yet it's still not part of uh, teacher training. It's, it's a specialist field. It doesn't need to be. Right. I can remember, too, even thinking back when my daughter was in preschool and I remember um, she got they kept her in from recess because she didn't finish some sheet in the classroom, some little worksheet where she was, I guess, coloring something. I don't even remember. And I thought, why? I mean, she was like, let's she had to been either three or four years old. And I can remember the other teachers just shocked. They were like, I can't believe you kept her in for that. And, you know, it, when I think back to how things she struggled even early on, you know, there were there were signs there. And I don't it, it's hard to see all those until later when you look back and you start piecing it together. Um, you know, similar to probably how your mom did in the in the show, because she was able to kind of put those pieces together and say, because I think the biggest thing for me is I went with my own intuition. I knew when every day she woke up and said, I don't feel good. I can't go to school. I knew I've got to do something different, right? It's just, it's not. And at that point we were in first grade. It's just because it, she, at that point could look around the classroom, although she I'm sure had been, I just didn't realize it to see the work of the other children. And so she, she knew, right. She knew something wasn't right. Um, but when we told her she was dyslexic, it was a relief to her. It really was. Um, she's like, okay, well this, this makes sense. And um, you know, she's very open about it with people, which I think is a blessing. Um, she's very, you know, but you know, it's, it's not easy still. We're still working through the remediation pieces and she still, you know, 
Uh, I know in the movie when you were, you know, writing your name, you know, I noticed the other day on her notebook, her, she still, you know, has some, some D's and B's in her name and they're, they're, you know, <laughs> they're not spelled correctly still. And so when I watched the movie, it, you know, it really did hit home some pieces um, of that, of, of a mom's journey. And I know it's your journey as well, but I also think it's important the role that families are playing to, to recognize um, and I think that's part of maybe a benefit we got out of the pandemic is because people had to go back to their tables, to their kitchen tables and teach their children from home, at least in the States, you know, we were all sent home to educate. And so we really had to, we, we had to sit down and we had to become a family in a village and work with our children more than we ever have. And um, I think that was a blessing because we also realized we were strong enough to do it. Yes. I mean, today, um, a child sent in a poem to Nessie and it was talking about um, how as if they were felt like they were a tree and uh, during the the pandemic that they'd had they'd been away from school and they felt like they'd grown tall and flourished and now they were back at school and uh, they felt like they'd been chopped down mm. and that's terrible that a child can feel that way mm. I I'm, I mean, we called the film Michael, but I'm a Mike because I couldn't spell my name even at nine. Uh, and I spelled it lots of different ways. Just, it's just one of those difficult ones. But I honestly think that if I hadn't got that help, I would have left school illiterate. And, you know, I was already getting into trouble. I didn't want to go to school. I was getting into fights at school. I was thrown out of three different schools um, because you, at some point you reach a place where you just can't go any further. There's, um, and I'm eternally grateful to my mum now. I mean, she, it's, it's tough when you're actually teaching and going through that, but later on, I assure you, they will really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> right. They look back. <laughs> they look back and they'll think, "Wow, you were amazing." Thanks, mom. <laughs> you saved me. But right now it's difficult. Yeah, and, and I know you know many people I follow that are adults now that are dyslexic. They say, you know, those school years are just tough. Like there's just no way around it. They're they're tough years for for the for the student and also for the family. It's just tough years. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're constantly being assessed and tested on things that you find really difficult. And what you were saying earlier um, about your daughter, she, you know straight away that you're not getting it as quickly as other kids. I mean, straight away. I was I was put on the first book of the, read, of the reading scheme. Uh, they all had different colors. I never got past that first book. And everyone was going, well, what color are you on? What book? And I just didn't, oh, I've forgotten. Uh, but I never got past book one. It's It's, it's just shaming. Yeah. And at the time we had her in a, a small private school. So I think there were, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11 students at the time. And at the time I thought, Oh, you know, patting myself on the back, we've got her in a small classroom. But then I almost on the flip side of it felt bad too, because once I realized what was going on, I was like, it was like a spotlight on her because there were so few kids in the classroom. It was so obvious she was struggling and I think she felt that early on, um, you know, and I know that's just sometimes part of it, but I, you know, at the, at the beginning I thought, Oh, we're doing great things. And, and, you know, and looking back, I think we did because we might not still know 
if we were in a class of 30, because, you know, she, she wasn't at the point where, you know, she was very quiet. She wasn't acting out or bringing attention to herself. And so, um, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that she was, she was very reserved, shy child in the classroom, although she's very (laughs) vibrant at home. And so, um, so, you know, I think it, it all works out how it's supposed to work out. But, you know, I think too, about part of the reason I started the podcast was, I, I do know it's hard because I'm right there every day in it with with parents and with moms. But I also want them to have some hope and some inspiration that we know these years are going to be tough and we've just got to push through those and help our kids. But what I'd love for you to share is, and you and you're very honest with that. Yes, it was difficult, but as an adult, you're obviously a very successful adult, right? And I'm not saying that those things didn't affect who you are. But what are some strengths or and maybe even some people would call them gifts that you believe now, you know, even sharing about law school and things. What what do you believe that actually ended up being a benefit of being dyslexic? You know, a lot of people talk about just being able to imagine things and picture things. And and do you believe that there's any part of your amazing brain that's different that you feel like as an adult is a benefit? Just to, you know, give some more inspiration to moms that are yeah well when you when you're at school certainly dyslexia doesn't feel like a gift it feels like a curse (laughs) absolutely because everything's tougher Mm -hmm. but over time I've come to realize I've got a brain that thinks a bit differently and it's my particular strength is ideas I just have ideas pop in my head all the time and I'm so creative and I, I, I play guitar, I write and sing songs, I've done quite a few about dyslexia. Uh, I, I even write uh, short stories for children, I, I paint, I, uh, I do all the, the character voices for Nessie. I, I make little, uh, the little hairy characters, a lot of the yetis, I, I kind of do all their, their different uh, voices. Uh, I, I make up tunes for the music songs that we're making. So I'm a just, and I get ideas that just pop into my head and I can see sort of what's likely to happen as well. Um, so these are all benefits. I feel that fl- I, I kind of, I've got no proof, but it feels like it flows from my dyslexia. Uh, the downside is, you know, putting stuff down, forgetting where I put it, memory, forgetting appointments, but technology can really help with that sort of thing. I, I, I take photos of where I've, I've parked my car so I don't forget where it is. <laughs> Do that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just things like that. I mean, you can take photos of stuff to remember it. Uh, you put them in calendars or uh, you just speak to your, um, to your phone and make messages. It's great. I mean, all, all technology can, can really help with that side of things. But um, yeah, for me, I think it's particularly ideas, creativity, but uh, some children, we've had a, we ran a campaign where we asked children to send in what they thought, what they were really good at. And it was amazing. I, some fantastic, just kids with dyslexia who have learned determination and they are so determined that when they find something they are good at, they absolutely excel. Uh, they've been dancers, they've been uh, artists, they've been just people starting their own businesses, uh, just just so many things that they were fantastic at. But the very worst thing schools can, can do is then take that away from them, saying, oh, no, you need more reading and writing because you, 
more of what didn't work the first time. Yeah. So <laughs> right. take away what you're brilliant at and, and give you more of this terrible, horrible reading and writing stuff. <laughs> Actually, you don't need that much reading and writing. Just a little bit every day taught in the right way is more effective than just loads of it that's going to exhaust you. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there are many, many different dyslexics out there with super talents. But sometimes it's not obvious, and not everyone's a super genius. Many dyslexics are just, just normal people, but maybe what their gift is is being kind or mm-hmm. being just a good person, or maybe they're really good at talking or, or just good with people. There are so many different skills. Sometimes it's not obvious what, what you're gonna be good at, but often when you leave school, it can really start to show. So do you think that's important for parents as far as trying to find that balance? Because school is so taxing and so exhausting to find that outlet, whether it's, you know, soccer or creative writing or painting. Do you believe even while children are in school, it's important for us to also make time for pieces that, you know, light, light our children up and that they excel in so they have that success? Definitely. It's so important. I, you just need something for your self-esteem that, uh, for instance, um, when, when I'm talking and listening, I do find it exhausting. It just wears me out. I started just reading and writing, but I have to pace around normally. Um, and I have to doodle. There's something in me which makes me have to do stuff. And lots, lots of kids are um, are made to sit still. Now, sit still because you're not concentrating if you're moving around or <laughs> shuffling around or looking out the window. No, that's the way my brain works. Often I look out the window, I'm not, I'm not daydreaming. And maybe I'm just like focused really hard on an idea and letting it just play over in my mind. And it's uh, having an understanding of how someone works, uh, how, the, how someone, uh, not everyone is the same, but yeah. Being able to get up, go out and do what you're good at is really important just for your self-esteem, for um, balancing that sitting down, reading and writing and stuff. Everything needs a balance. Yes, absolutely. All of us need that, don't we? (laughs) All of us need a balance. (laughs) It's hard sometimes, but we do, definitely. Well, if we can, uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about Nessie um, because it is an amazing resource. And so uh, you talked a little bit about Nessie at the beginning. But can you share with our with my audience a little bit about the approach to learning that you take in Nessie? Sure. So um, our main our main program is called Nessie Reading uh, and Spelling, and it's very structured. So it's broken down into a hundred different sort of lessons. When you go in, there's an assessment, um, and it, it sort of places a student just on what they need. So. Uh, one of the trouble with whole class teaching is you all go along at a similar pace and if you miss something or you've got holes in your knowledge, it's too bad, that's gone. Uh, an individualized approach where you can work at your own pace is ideal. And each section only covers a very few words at a time. And those words, you'd start off um, with a funny video to learn the sound. Then you start looking at blending the sounds into a word, learning those important um, decoding skills. And then after you've developed that, those phonological skills, then you go on to develop whole word reading, rhyming, onset and rhyme. So it's very, very structured, but lots of the, all on the same group of words, 
but just following game after game after game that slowly develops into the fluency next, uh, reading sentences, and then uh, vocabulary and comprehension. So you're covering off the phonics, the phonological skills, the, um, the reading fluency, the vocabulary and the comprehension, but just following a very small group of words. And when you do that, you can succeed. And then the next lesson just would build up on the ones that you, you had before. So they're not challenged by words that they haven't been given a, a lesson, an explanation about how it works. Because English seems like it's a crazy language of lots of bizarre spellings, but actually 90% of it can all be worked out through rules. And once you know that code, how to break that code in, so how you break words into chunks like syllables, like um, head, body and tail, how you recognize those, it just unlocks the key. And gradually, as your knowledge increases, wow, you just start speeding up. So Nessie is uh, lots, of, lots of computer games, also lots of printable resources, card games that Pat made up. Um, that, and it's been just developed and added to over 20 years. So um, that would help with reading and spelling. We've got a program for some writing skills, writing beach. Uh, I'm just about to release a new program that we've been working on for two years. It's for four to six year olds. It's called Hairy Phonological. And it's really developing the important phonological skills because phonics are important, one of those foundational building skills. But if you don't have the phonological skills to go along with them, just having that phonic knowledge isn't enough on its own. And what I mean by phonological skills is the ability to uh, blend the sounds together, to identify different sounds within a word, how to uh, recognize syllables, how to rhyme. All these are important phonological skills and they help you work with um, the chunks, the phonics, the phonic knowledge. So, yeah, I'm very excited by that program. It's been a long, hard uh, <laughs> battle. We're, we're, Nessie's a very small company. We've only got uh, 30 people. Uh, we've got offices in, in Texas and in the UK. Um, but being a, yeah, just we've never taken any funding. We, I mean, put, we'd put it everything to free if we could, but we've got support costs, hosting costs and things like that. Right. And um, we haven't ever taken any sort of investment or anything like that. So we just grow organically. And it's just run by um, my wife, Tiffany and me. We've both got dyslexia. Lots of people with dyslexia work for the company. And we're just a, a passionate about helping children with dyslexia and helping them in the right way. So putting out good resources out there that are low cost, that are affordable, because it's not really any anything better than a, a highly qualified experienced teacher that's that knows how to help a, a kid with dyslexia but not everyone can afford that that's that's pretty right. expensive uh, and so if there's technology out there that can disrupt that and give everyone access to it program, also there just aren't enough teachers out there either just nowhere near enough some places it's hundreds of miles to a, a teacher that's trained mm -hmm. Tiffany's from West Texas, and there, I mean, there was it was hundreds of miles for mm -hmm. a, another teacher. Um, so yeah, technology. It's, as long as you've got internet access, uh, we'll get it to you. But you've got to remember that because teachers are not being trained how to identify and help dyslexia, it's very much being left down to parents. And 
some parents just can't do it. They might be single parents. Maybe, I, I mean, there's lots of kids that don't have a chance. So those parents that I are able to help them, uh, you're saving your children. It, it's going to be tough. You're going to have to make sacrifices, but you are, don't, it, sometimes you can be tough on yourself, I know, but actually you're doing an amazing job for your, for your child. And with the, the, the Nessie program uh, and, the, and the tools that you have, do you suggest using that? I know you were just talking a little bit about that at the end, but is that something, let's say, I have had parents reach out to me that say, I can't afford the hourly rate of an OG tutor or I can't afford the private school. Yeah. Could they use Nessie or would you recommend Nessie with something else, like some either uh, trying to find a, a qualified reading tutor who can also work with your child um, you know, what would you say to families that are struggling to figure it out financially? It's always best to have a, a good tutor if, uh, or a teacher if you can. Um, okay. But if it's beyond you, then Nessie, a program like Nessie would be um, a good, good way of, uh, of getting forwards and, and learning. Um, it's, it's a lot more emphasis on on the parent although the, the child will you can sit the child down and just leave them to it and in fact don't, don't help them on the assessment or they'll be placed at a level that's too high <laughs> for them. but um but that, that yeah there are lots of card games you can do um it's all dyslexia goes from mild to really profound uh so it depends on the on the depth of of difficulty someone with profound dyslexia is definitely going to need a tutor um, but for most children, yeah, uh, something like Nessie would really help them. I, I've heard lots of stories from people who Nessie has helped them learn to read, uh, working with with their mom. So, and are you are you focusing mainly on like early elementary age, or even someone that's let, let's say fifth or sixth grade that hasn't learned those tools? Um, I mean, it seems like Harry and some of the characters may be more geared toward younger children. But really, those concepts are universal, right? I mean, if you're struggling, if you haven't learned the rules, you haven't learned the rules. So do you find that that other, a little bit older middle, you know, or older elementary, fifth, sixth grade into middle school, are they also using your programs as well? Or are you targeting more of elementary, younger elementary age when families are learning that they're, they're struggling early on? Well, elementary school is where we're focused. In fact, okay. all the research shows that if you can identify and get that to help between the ages of five and seven, it stops all sorts of later problems developing. So that's, that's really important. So up for those that elementary school years, you can get that. That's when you're really uh, learning to read. After that, you're starting to read to learn. And that's a big mm-hmm. difference. There's, there's such an amount of strain on children at high school the amount of work they've got to do, the amount of reading, the amount of writing, that they haven't got really time to do the other stuff. Now, I, I would like to create a program for uh, older students, um, adults as well. But I don't know, I tried to do a fundraiser once um, with, I, I did a sort of Shark Tank thing actually, uh, <laughs> online with, <laughs> with Richard Branson. And, uh, but, but we did, he didn't give us any money, so we didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm very much focused on on helping the younger children right now. It's um, well, I, I think I, you're right too. It's just it's 
you know, as a parent early on, when you see your child struggle, you know, when, when they come home and either they have those, those symptoms of I don't feel well, or they're withdrawn, or you see the work they bring home. And so I know one of the resources that you have too, if you could share a little bit about this, is that you do have a screener on your website. So you do have some resources, although you also acknowledge that you may have to go and pay for an assessment. But here are some pieces that, let's say my child is in first grade. And for me, I was an older parent. So I wasn't sure that I wasn't, you know, is this really what it is? I was kept being told it's developmental. It'll just work its way out. But it did not. (laughs) And so I noticed that you also provide some resources. And I think those would be helpful too, because sometimes we do know early on, but we're just not really sure what to do. Um, so could you talk a little bit about that resource that you also have on Nessie? Because I think that would help a lot of families too. Yes, I mean, there are quite a few dyslexia screeners are out there now with a lot more research behind them than um, our screener. So we're more focused on the actual resources. But honestly, I, I believe that it's more important to get help than to be screened. But if a parent wants more sort of confirmation, then doing something, we've got something called Dyslexia's Quest, um, when the children play, it's called Yeti Mountain, and it's a series of games which looks at key areas. Um, key areas to identify dyslexia, one would be processing speed. So people with dyslexia often um, process written and spoken information more slowly. Now, a well-used uh, assessment, I think it's, it's even used in um, Dibbles, Dibbles 8th, by the way, by uh, University. University of Oregon is, is absolutely amazing. It's got 20 years of research behind it and it's free. It takes five minutes to give and it really does assess, does identify dyslexia. Okay. So um, yeah, rapid automatic naming they call it where you look at things, uh, letters, sometimes colors and you, you have to say them rapidly. People with dyslexia just more slowly. And that's why written and spoken work takes so much longer. So it's got, uh, some rapid automated naming. Um, it's got a working memory exercise. Now, working memory is uh, when you are holding information in your head for a very short time, and then you have to work with it, like mental maths, um, like uh, looking up at the board and copying down. That's you're holding that information in your head, and you're having to work with it. That's always a difficult area for people with dyslexia as well phonological difficulties, I talked about that earlier, um, being able to identify sounds and chunks of sounds. That's a really key area for dyslexia. So all these are huge warning signs. So we, we do have a screener. Personally, if you think there's a problem, it's likely to be dyslexia. I, I, the whole, this whole developmental thing, your late bloomer, <laughs> that's a myth. Don't if a teacher tells you that, they don't know what they're talking about. If there's a problem, oh, well, let's just see if that problem goes away or if it gets worse, shall we? Mm-hmm. Instead of the attitude needs to be, okay, we're, well, we're going to give them some uh, a different approach. We're going to try uh, give them this structured, individualized um, approach right now. Because even if they don't have dyslexia, then uh, that's going to help them. But instead, they say, oh, no, just, just, just ignore it for a bit. It'll probably just go away in time. No, it won't. It's, I hear things like um, 
borderline dyslexia, uh, dyslexic tendencies, um, dyslexic traits, or, or just there'll be a late bloomer, they'll catch up later. These are all warning words. Know that just if you've got dyslexia, you have dyslexia and it needs addressing immediately. Do not delay. So I, I personally think uh, just if, if you know there's a problem, if you think there's a problem, there is a problem. Get on and do some OGE work. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. And in the show notes today, I'll, I will actually um, link to Nessie and your social media accounts and places that people can connect with with you and your work. And so I, I so appreciate you being available today and and being available to our audience. Is there any last words of wisdom you would like to share with moms before we wrap up today? <laughs> last words of wisdom. You've shared so many, so thank you. <laughs> it's been excellent. I think it's important that children don't feel ashamed of being learning differently. And that's why it's so important to let them develop the things they're good at and for them to understand dyslexia. And it, it's going to be tough because of the way it's unsupported in schools. But once you leave school, they can bloom and reach for the stars. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being with us today and taking the time out of your day to be with us. And we will continue to follow you and the amazing work that you're doing. So thank you very much for that as well. Oh, thank you. Wow. What did I tell you? It was a great conversation with Mike today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and you remember that you got this. Enjoy your week and I'll see you next Monday.